0: Welcome to the Utah Epocopalians. This is a podcast of the Episcopal Diocese of Utah. Now, it's a look at our unique church in this unique land of Utah. Oh, and nothing has been more unique than this election season. And my goodness, frankly, about all we can agree upon is the anxiety that most of us feel. Everything has become political, family dinners, friendships, relationships, yes, even religion, you know, in many ways, we've been split in two and even more ways. And it's been going on for a couple of years. Oh, and it's just reaching its peak, maybe. So anyway, let's look at how we can heal, how we can cope, how we can just get through this. Now, one person we know has written quite a bit about this, talked about it, and prayed about it, and that's the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Utah, the Right Reverend Scott B. Hayashi. Oh, and by the way, I'm Craig Worth, your host. But what's more important that we get right into this, Bishop? I know politics has done more than just ruined, shall we say, our holiday dinners. Indeed, it's torn families apart. It's been something that's discussed in the pews. It's been something that's discussed. Even the pandemic has become political. Let's start with what are your observations?
1: In some ways, I'm still in shock that uh, we have reached this point in our nation. Uh, It is unlike anything I've experienced, and and I am 66 years old. uh, And I know that there are some people who will be watching this or listening to this who are older than I am, but I would dare say that they too would say the very same thing. This is something they've never experienced, where there are so many different things happening all at once, whether it be the pandemic, um, the election, um, the protests. um, You you just line all these things up, and any one of them would be enough to cause anxiety. And of course, we haven't even got to uh, say anything about the hurricanes for goodness sakes and uh, the earthquakes <laughs> and uh, it, it it keeps coming uh, you get say the hits keep coming so if one is anxious during this period of time then I would say one is normal uh, in fact the person that says uh, don't worry be happy or, or oh no i'm I'm just cruising through this whole thing uh I would have to say that person is in serious denial or is simply lying, uh, because uh, I don't see any way a person can say that there isn't some anxiety, if not a lot of anxiety um, coursing through our lives right now. And that brings me to the question of, what do you do with that? Um, What do you watch out for? And that, to me, is where the responsibility of each one of us and our congregations and and institutions are so vitally important. So, for instance, uh, for me as the bishop, um, I've not taken a stand to uh, offer harsh criticisms or words of of hatred uh, towards our president. I've certainly called to attention that we've had a lot of people die um, from the virus and plead and wish that there would be a national plan. Um, But I also have told people to continue to pray for the president as well. Because whether or not you or anyone else would agree with me, I believe that our president was made in the image of God. Um, And maybe at times it's hard for me to see that that image of God in him, but I believe that about him. So I believe that there is a capacity there within the present and within all of us for good. Um, And whether or not we develop that or exercise it, it is another question. So now then, anxiety. One of the most important things that we can be doing is, well, monitoring ourselves. Um, For instance, what what are the signs that that you have, Craig, or that I have that let me know that that I'm in a state of high anxiety? Um, One sign could be clenching of of hands, gritting of teeth. Um, One could be being short-tempered, suddenly flying off the handle at a loved one. Uh, What uh, All these are signs. One could be a sign of eating too much or drinking too much alcohol. Um, All of these things, not sleeping well at night. What I'm saying here is that one of the most important things to be doing during this period of time is recognizing those signs and having steps to cope with them. And what are those steps? Well, for me, one of the steps is to have people with whom I can talk Um, discuss, Um, reaching out for support from clergy and and friends, Um, soliciting their prayers and praying for them as well. Another thing is to become as informed as possible um, about the events and about about the issues and concerns Um, because when we exist in a condition of not knowing then at least for me, that creates a great deal of uh, of concern or anxiety or increases the anxiety because I really want to know. And I think information is very helpful. And then a third thing would be to to be able to take actions uh, that that contribute to the good. Um, The other day, I was um, at um, the grocery store. And I'm not saying this to brag about anything, so please understand that. Um, but I walked by uh, a hair salon, you know, a place that um, gives haircuts, and I noticed out front they had a, a sandwich board sign, you know, and it said haircuts $7.99, uh, which is certainly a lot less than they were normally charged. But what they were trying to do was to get people to come in um, because their business has been suffering so, so very, very much. And frankly, I'm not a person that wants to go in and get a haircut. Um, but I felt that what I could do was, um, and it was a small thing, was to get some money, um, which I did. I went in and, and got um, $60 because um, I didn't know how many people were working in the um, in the salon at that moment in time. And then when I got done at the grocery store, I just went to the Um, the the salon and uh, went inside and the person said oh oh yeah you can get a haircut right now and I said no I'm not here for a haircut I really don't don't you know want that Um, but what I really want to say to you is thank you Uh, I know it's hard during this time and I know that working uh, presents a certain amount of risk and yet People need your services. I just wanted to say thank you for doing that. Um, And I wanted to just to give you this. Um, And so I handed um, her and the other person who was working, you know, a $20 bill each. And I said, this is just just for you because I just want you to know I'm grateful for for what you're doing. Now, it wasn't a big thing uh, at all. but it was something I could do maybe to make that person's life a little happier for five minutes, um, to let the person know that there are people who who care. And in fact, there are many people who care. So being able to take some action and during an election time, making sure to vote, um, because that is um, an agency that citizens of the United States have to vote. So that's another thing to cope with anxiety, to do the things that you can do and to not be concerned so much about the things you can't do, but to be about what you can do. And finally, um, to pray and study, um, to read the Bible and to pray daily, if not twice daily or three times daily for our nation, for your friends, for your family, for the people you don't know uh, who are suffering. And and to be a person in this world who who tries to do the things Jesus did. And for that, we study uh, and read the gospel accounts to find out what he did. Because I think we can find there that what he did was he he was a man of compassion. He continually um, presented himself um, to the people. And he prayed, and he fasted, and he wept, uh, and he, he spoke the truth, even when it wasn't easy for him to do so. And he constantly, constantly pointed people um, to God. And these are the things that I think are important during this time uh, for us to remember, especially as we are coping with our lives in a very difficult time.
0: One thing that um, I'm very concerned about, and you're right, um, everyone does feel this sense of anxiousness, and I have a couple years on you, and I can tell you that um, I've never felt this way. What I fear, and maybe you can comment on this, is that we get this idea that this is all heading up to November 3rd, but then what do we do on November 4th and November 5th? Um, I worry what can I say? What can I do? There's going to be a lot of very upset people. There's going to be people whose anxiety is just beginning on either way that this election turns out. I'm speaking not only just president, but some of the other offices too. Um, I worry about our country. I worry about myself on dealing with people who I know, or maybe me, is going to be really feeling bad after this election.
1: I think the the election is a focal point. Um, and <clears throat> I'm one of these persons um, that I know, I'm one of these persons that I know I am this way and not all people are like me. Um, and I'm not suggesting that everyone should be like me. Uh, but what I mean by that is I'm one of these persons that I, I, I I tend not to worry in advance, Um, and I don't know why I am that way, Um, especially about things of of which I can do nothing. Uh, In other words, I know people are going to be angry, Um, and November 3rd is um, the day when, you know, election day, and we probably won't know who, you know, who was voted into office, that day or November 4th. I I suspect it's going to take longer. And and really what's going to happen after that? I don't know. I really don't know. I do know that no matter who is elected, whether it be um, Joe Biden or Donald Trump, that that moment in time, November 3rd, will be one in which will simply be the beginning um, the beginning of, of uh, a new uh, a new moment in which you and I will be called to be present in this world and to be people of compassion. Um, that that's what I know. We, we are we are um, I think we we are approaching the point um, where we are, let's say we're approaching the end of one thing and the beginning of another. Uh, And and we don't know what that other is going to be. We expect that there's going to be a lot of anger and I fully expect that. And so what I would say is that, again, it's all the more important for you and I to be the kind of people who will do their very best to not contribute more to the anger. Uh, And if the person that you um, want to be elected to be be the next president is not the person uh, who is elected, then I think all the more reason for, in that time, for a person like yourself or or me to be the one that... um, recognizes that it didn't work out that way. And then to do our level best um, to contribute to the good. And that might mean stronger movements and advocacy. Um, That might mean um, continuing to speak out. Um, It will surely mean, it will surely mean to continue to, to look upon the person at the grocery store um, as as a fellow human being made in the image of God. Um, and so are there steps to take now? And I think the steps to take now are getting, getting even more entrenched and bathing everything in prayer um, and praying for oneself and loving oneself. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, giving ourselves moments of respite You know, a break. Um, Don't read the news so much, for goodness sakes, uh, because it doesn't really change. Um, The the latest events that are happening are things that I've looked at the newspapers or the news reports are pretty much just a rehash of what was there a week ago. I keep track of certain things like where the, the virus is, the coronavirus, because of our work here in Utah, and um, the Episcopal Diocese of Utah taking extremely strict measures to not mitigate or to to mitigate the virus and not spread it. Um, so I keep track of that. Um, but most of all, m- most of all, um, to be aware of of the sort of what I would call the spiritual and emotional field. Um, of the place in which I live, whether that be home or the office or, you know, in the church, what's the spiritual, emotional field of those places, and how can I, entering those fields, help to either calm it, inspire it, uh, offer solace, or to be an agent of healing.
0: A fascinating discussion so far. This is the Utah Episcopalians, a podcast of the Diocese of Utah, where we do look at our unique church in this unique land of Utah. And our special guest is the Right Reverend Scott B. Hayashi, who's the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese, who has uh, had a lot of wisdom and a lot of comments, I know, on Facebook posts and in uh, from the pulpit and just talking to people on um, this re- topic of anxiousness, of anxiety, that has really hit us uh, not just because of a pandemic, but coming at a time of emotional upheaval of an election. And that's probably a good time to ask a question that I know you have been a calming uh, voice, and that's why we really wanted to talk to you because of um, some of the wisdom you've had but how did religion get so mixed up in the politics that added to this anxiety during this election i've never seen anything like this
1: well you know it it, religion religion is um is a vehicle let's say um and that's probably not the best term to be used Uh, but religion is a is a way where people identify uh, who they are. And they tend to um, cluster around other like-minded folk. Uh, One of the things I like about the Episcopal Church is that um, it's, you know, you'll find all sorts of different opinions in the pews. Actually, we're not in the pews right now. (laughs) But you'll find all sorts of different opinions gathered around Um, And then people come together and gather around Jesus. Um, And the thing about religious people um, is that uh, sometimes, sometimes, um, you'll find that religions, uh, especially the more um, um, fundamental, I would say conservative, fundamental, tend to attract The extremes of personality, Um, and I think you'll find that uh, on the the, on both ends of the spectrum, Um, the 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 very extremely uh, conservative and the very extremely um, uh, liberal. In fact, sometimes I think if you let them go completely, they'd come around in a circle and meet each other. Um, But it tends to extract. Uh, throughout the extremes of personality and i think what happens in that is they they lose sight of at times what what the core of their particular belief really is a presiding bishop curry uh, the presiding bishop of the episcopal church said one time that whenever the church and he's speaking about the christian church here sorry he wasn't speaking about hinduism or um Judaism, or Zoroastrianism, or Buddhism. Um, you're speaking specifically about um, the Christian Church. He said, "Whenever the Church has gotten into trouble, into real difficulty, what you'll see every single time is that Jesus got lost. That that during those periods of time, they didn't really speak about Jesus." They weren't really concerned about following Jesus. They weren't really concerned about doing what Jesus did. Instead, Jesus got lost and it became about power and wealth uh, and position and 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 forcing one's will on others. Um, and so I think what happens at times, and especially during this time, because I know that um, I came up through the... Um, uh, through the, the very, very, very conservative, um, expression of Christianity, um, that was my, my first experience. Uh, I, I, I think, I think you could have called me a Bible thumper, um, during those, those early formative years of being a person of faith. that, that, you know, I kept the Bible with me all the time, I I read it constantly, I still read it, Um, and um, all all those days, but what was interesting during that period of time for me, because I think you probably really would have called me a fundamentalist, in fact, you would have called me a a, a hyper-fundamentalist during that period of time, Um, but during that period of time when I was, you know, there, um, the... In that, the strong message that was being preached from the pulpit, um, time and time again, I would say Sunday after Sunday, but during that period of time, it could, have been, it could have been Sunday, it could have been Saturday, it could have been Wednesday, it could have been Thursday, because these things, services are going on throughout the week, and I'd be there, you know, on more days than just one day a week. But there was a constant um, preaching from the pulpit about, we need to pay attention to what Jesus said. And when Jesus said to do this, whatever this might be, he meant it, he meant it. So even in that, uh, that upbringing within that extremely, what you and I might consider to be um, conservative fundamentalist, there was a constant emphasis on who this Jesus is and what being a Christian means and what it meant to follow Jesus. Um, I don't know, if I were to go back to that church, cause it's still extant, you know, it's still it's still there. I don't know what they're preaching now. I don't know if if Jesus got lost. Um, and what I can say is when Jesus does get lost um, and we lose sight of what he did and how he lived and the care that he took for others, then I think that religion and religious people can be manipulated very easily. In fact, I would say they could be um, some of the most easily manip- manipulated people who then will believe almost anything because you know, they, they lose sight of uh, their savior.
0: That's perhaps one of the most profound things I've heard you say in these decades that I've um, admired you and knowing you um, and really does bring a um, something that uh, I think we do see when we have watched um, what's happened at times in this campaign even in this pandemic where people are trying to make a point and whether they crowd fifty thousand into a, um, a, a church or something side by side or trying to make a point um
1: and you notice when they say that they're not saying jesus told us to do this right and, and what they're saying is is we have the right to do this and and, and- and, I, and I, my response to that is, um, if, if it were possible for the church to come together um, in those times when they want to gather, you know, a thousand people in one place, and if the virus only stayed with those thousand people, it wasn't taken out into the community, wasn't taken back to the families, wasn't taken back to the next-door neighbors. If it stayed just with those thousand people, I'd be okay with that. But unfortunately, this virus doesn't really do that. Um, it just spreads.
0: Well, we've uh, covered a lot of ground, and we're coming up towards the the end of the podcast. But I have um, two questions. One is, I think we're all wondering what can we say now that when the election has been decided to help heal within a relationship or a family or co-workers, people that sit across from us in offices, in schools, that um, we have maybe become, uh, well, certainly um, no longer talking to, shall we even say, over this. What can we say to heal?
1: Well, well certainly one, what we can say um, Perhaps you don't say anything initially. Perhaps you just listen um, for one. Um, And I think the other thing would be don't rise to the bait. So in other words, um, um, let's say say the person that you want to be elected is is, um, not elected. Um, and let's say you're at some dinner or some event or whatever it is and the person says yeah showed you didn't we and then and then what I would say is well don't rise to the bait you know just say um, yes you're yes the person you wanted was elected and the person I wanted was not so now let's talk about what we can do um, because I think what happens is is people, um, once we start in this way of kind of picking at each other, um, it's almost hard to stop it. And, and the way we phrase things is, is designed to um, elicit a response and not a good response. Um, and, and in the same way, um, if the person you want is elected and someone you know uh, who was feeling differently about the person they wanted to be elected, comes to you and says, well, are you happy now? You know, you you don't need to respond. Darn right I am. Too bad for you. You know, uh, you know. I mean, in, in those moments again, that's just, that's just the person baiting you. Um, and, and we shouldn't try to bait other people too. I think in, in a situation like that, uh, if someone were to say something like that, my response would be, "Yes, I'm glad my the person I wanted was elected," and and. And I know you're disappointed. And I'm, yeah. Uh, any disappointment, I, I'm savvy. your disappointment. Oh, you don't really mean that. You say, you don't know, no, I really, I really, really do. And that, and whether or not the person can hear, that's another question.
0: At well, least you've tried. I, I appreciate that. Before we went on today with this podcast, our producer, Nick Cockrell, and I were talking, and he's of the diocese, but also has been over the years active in campaigns and actually led some campaigns. And I know Nick was uh, saying that uh, candidates are feeling this. We've been talking about how we feel as, as people who are voting and maybe uh, if Nick can join in for a second and um, and express uh, in a question for the Bishop perhaps that you might have on what do candidates feel? We're, we're talking what we feel as voters, as people, as those following. Are you seeing that uh, Nick and maybe your question for the Bishop on on, uh, his advice for these candidates?
2: Yeah. So one thing that I've really been seeing a lot in the local candidates that I work for, I primarily work for people who are running for local office, whether at the city, county, or just our state legislative level. And this year has been more of a struggle for them than any time in their memory to have a productive conversation with voters to help understand more what the common Utah or citizen is really worried about. Because immediately as we start talking to voters as candidates start, one of our first questions these days is, what party are you? And immediately we kind of revert to this kind of tribalism, it's one or the other. and One thing that I don't know, I don't know how we can help heal this going forward, but I'd like to know if the bishop has any ideas of how we can more productively, as members of the Episcopal Church, build bridges with people who, you know, based on a label, we might worry, how are we going to connect with them? That's the first thing that we worry about.
1: Well, you know, I think that the first question out of your mouth should not be what party you're in, right. <laughs> what party, <'Cause laughs> the, because because what, what that does is it tends to um, uh, label, really, as if somehow because one is uh, Republican or one is Democrat, that automatically means then one must be whatever. Um, so I think that's not even a good question to start out with. Um, You know, I I would maybe start out with, what you had for dinner last night? Mm -hmm. You you know, because it really is, because what that does is it it sends the message of a common human need. We have to eat, you know, still, I mean, I I know that sounds trite and mundane. Um, It's just that before you can talk about some of the more deeper things, I think it's important to establish ground. There are things you can actually talk about. Um, to begin with, because I think that demonstrates the ability then to be able to connect on on a person-to-person level before you start going into the, the other areas. You know, um, do you remember Esau Hayakawa? Um, and, um, you, know, you know, he, he uh, as a Japanese-American, um, I believe he was living in the Midwest of Chicago or something like that, something like that, but, uh, you know, Pearl Harbor had happened and so um Hayakawa was uh waiting for a bus or something like that I heard I read this account um and of course you know feelings were high obviously um going 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 forward you know and so he was standing at the bus stop alone Mm -hmm. you know and people you know gathered at the bus stop with him and um and, you know the, the mood was rather tense because um, here's this lone you know Japanese man standing there you know waiting for a bus and you got these people who after Pearl Harbor were downright mad and angry um, and, and what I and the record the, the account in this that I read is that um, I think he he began something like, um, either it's cold or something like that, but I think he began something like that um, saying, boy, it, it's really a time of worry, isn't it? Um, and, and and from there they say, oh yeah, he said, yes, I'm really worried too. You know, I, I have relatives. Um, and, and in that moment, I think, uh, and I think that story actually, uh, the, I recall reading that in a book, um, about him and how he managed to defuse a, a potential incident um, by actually connecting with the fact and that he was worried and they were worried and, and, and on a very human sort of level. And so whether or not those people went away thinking that um, the Japanese people were, were good people, they at least saw him as a person like them, who in this moment was worried about the safety of people he knew, just as they were worried about what was going to happen, people they knew. So I think that, um, but as far as the question about what about candidates, uh, you know, a person who runs for office um, doesn't run for office because, or at least I believe this, I believe this. Um, And I believe this of the politicians that I know here in Utah. Um, They they ran for office believing they could do some good and they put themselves forward Um, and in any election where there's two, there's going to be one person that's not elected. Uh, And I think the disappointment, because if they've done, if they've run and put all of themselves into it to not be elected, it has to be an extreme disappointment. Um, and I would say, you know, if you have a person that, you know, a friend like that, they say, you know, you know, thank you for putting yourself forward. You, you really, you really tried and no, you were not elected, but thank you for for that. Thank you for offering yourself for public service. Um, because what you by saying yes to putting yourself, putting yourself forward for public service is that you were going to your desire was to serve the people. Um, and so, though they can't serve in an elected office, they can serve in a, other ways too. That contributes to helping people in the public. Um, I think I think the calling to public service is a very high calling indeed. A- and I know that that there are those who don't necessarily live up to that high calling, uh, but I believe that many strive to.
0: All right. Well, thank you, and. Uh... We've uh, come to the end of the Utah Uh, but before we let you go, Bishop, do you have a um, um, little prayer for us all that will help us get through this next, um, this next little period that we are facing in this country? A very, very important time and a time, as we have described, of anxiety and a time also of wisdom that you've imparted.
1: Well, I believe that, um the prayer that is most wonderful um, and the prayer that I've commended to people to, to use um, is the prayer of St. Francis. Um, and it goes, well, let us pray. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. And where there is hatred, let me sow love. And where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope and we are born to eternal life.
0: Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for your uh, time with us today on the Utah Hipposchipalians. And we look forward to returning as a podcast, and we'll talk to you again, certainly, about this all. And thank you so much for your wisdom and your kindness in this, and let's have a blessed time. And... I'm Craig Worth of the Diocese. Thank you so much for listening.